Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOSB, you'll be all set for when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams and all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOSB. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio on one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You're a holiday powerhouse. You host the dinners, shovel neighbors, sidewalks, and make everything from scratch. You definitely don't need help making the holidays happen. But Dunkin's Holiday Blend Coffee? A warming medium roast complete with sweet notes of dried fruit and molasses. Or a cranberry orange muffin made with real cranberries just might convince you a little help never hurt. Especially the hot caffeinated kind. America runs on Dunkin'. Present participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. First time in a long time. But back like I never left. Taking you stay as it comes. You know me. I don't read ahead. Watch we burn down everything, BDE on the TV set. When I'm in control on the road, you can never really know what's up next. Hello, hello, hello. Davey Portman here from Up Next for another episode of what we like to call Everything Evolves. We are here for post-wrestling on our Up Next feed, but also we are at patreon.com forward slash up next, where you can find this show for free or subscribe to all our bonus content, including shows like Was Next, Best Match Ever, and our numerous movie reviews. But tonight, we are not here to talk about NXT. We are not here to talk about movies. We are here to talk about Evolve. And I am joined here today by Jesse from The Six. Jesse, how are you? Uh, I am super excited. I mean, it's been a big week. And wrestling, you know, we had SmackDown on Friday, coming from Manchester, UK. UK shows are always good. There was some show yesterday, AEW something. People were talking about that. I don't know. I think uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling had a show in San Jose. But tonight, the main event of the whole weekend, Evolve 140 from Brooklyn. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, baby. To finish off the weekend, this has been like a, a WrestleMania-worthy week of wrestling. Absolutely. And, and saving the best till last. Um, now, firstly, commiserations. Uh, I know, um, your, your kind of real sport, uh, didn't quite go to plan today. Yeah, well, that's the thing about real sports. Sometimes they don't work out properly, but wrestling, you can choose the ending you want. Exactly. So. Uh, I gotta say, I was working, uh, I work, uh, at a bar downtown Toronto, and, um, I had the TFC game on the MLS Cup final. And there's, it's, it's a thing I find quite a lot over here in North America. Obviously, football, soccer is the world sport. Uh, North America hasn't quite, uh, got to grips with it yet. It's getting there. It's getting there. But, um, 
and this guy was just going, uh, like, what is this shit? Why is he rolling around on the floor? This is worse than that wrestling shit. And I'm just stood there going, thanks for just in insulting everything I stand for right now, but I'm, I'm glad you're enjoying your beer there. Did you go up to him and say, sir, have you heard of Gargano versus Almas? Exactly. <laughs> have you heard about JD Drake and Anthony Henry? Have you? Um, but yeah, so that was, uh, that was today, uh, unfortunate for TFC and many Toronto fans, but, uh, let's look up to next year, eh? Props to Seattle. They had, I think, 70,000 or 60,000 in that stadium. It's their NFL stadium, too. Yeah. But they, I don't know if they quite sold it out, but tens of thousands. So the sport is growing and maybe next year, TFC is awesome. Yeah. We'll win it again. Absolutely. Um, so we are here to talk about Evolve 139 and 140. Now, as Jesse mentioned, it was a big weekend of wrestling. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't get to catch Evolve 139, but our resident Evolve expert, John Ceno, was at both shows this weekend. So uh, I'm going to take this opportunity now to just leave Jesse just for a second where I go to New York to chat to John Ceno Evil about Evolve 139. Hello, I am joined here by John Ceno Evil, who has just come back from seeing Night two of Evolve in New York. You went to Evolve 139 last night and have just finished seeing Evolve 140. Overall, John, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Davey. How are you? I'm pretty good, thank you. Uh, how was this weekend of wrestling for you? It was uh, really good, especially with a uh, full gear in New Japan. There was so much wrestling to watch. I, I feel like that's all I consumed this weekend. Yeah, me too. Me too. It was a very wrestling-heavy weekend. Um, now you went to Evolve 139 last night, which I didn't get to see because I was busy eating dumplings and chicken wings, <laughs> John and Way and Braden watching Full Gear and seeing a man, you know, just glass through his fingers, jumping on spider webs of barbed wire and all that malarkey. So I got to miss Evolve 139 and I heard it was quite newsworthy. Yeah, it was actually a really good show. Um, I, I went there earlier. They had a Shine show at 3 o'clock, followed by Evolve 139 at 6 p.m. Uh, pretty hot house. A lot of the regulars actually weren't there. They um, ended up going to full gear in Baltimore, but um, they came back today for uh, 140 and kind of gave us some stories about the uh, Moxley Omega match. Excellent. Yeah, I've I've actually got a friend who uh, has been to like every Evolve since like Evolve 10 or something ridiculous like that, and this was... The first time he's not gone to one at Laboom because he, yeah, he went to AEW. Well, I can't blame him. Yeah. Um, so a couple of things coming out of the show. Um, actually, well, let's start. You've got a rundown of the results there, haven't you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, first thing, and you probably heard him on commentary, but Trevor Adams, who's usually the ring announcer, he actually joined Lenny Leonard on commentary. And uh, Dan Barry, who's an independent wrestler, he uh, took over as ring announcer. And he had uh, a couple hiccups here or there between yesterday and today. Um, so, you know, he's entertaining as well, but you could tell he still, uh, has to work out the kinks a little bit. Uh, do you have any idea why this is that they just want to move to a two man booth for commentary or they're, they're trying out this guy? Do you, do you know anything behind that at all? Well, Trevor Adams actually has experience already. He does a couple other shows for a uh, full impact pro and a couple other organizations like uh, Kaiju big battle. And, um, so maybe they're just trying to give Lenny Leonard a little le less on his plate. Sure. I mean, it, it's an intense job to call like three hours of wrestling on your own. 
Um, yeah, I've I've really enjoyed the commentary. I've got no faults for that at all. Um, Dan Barry was quite uh, quite funny uh, today, especially that moment before the six man tag match. Uh, I I can't wait to see it on VOD because that moment was hilarious. Uh, God, oh for it. sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, what what match kicked off the night? So the first match, it was uh, Aero Fox coming out with the Skulk. Uh, he defeated Colby Carino, who uh, was accompanied by Mike Donovan, in about 11 minutes or so with the 450 splash. Um, obviously, as it, uh, it uh, had to do with today, Colby Carino uh, coming up short again. And uh, obviously, that uh, ended up uh, you know, being bad for him today. For sure. Um, and where do you see this going, the Colby Carino thing? Do you see this being played out for quite a while between him and the Unwanted? Um, for sure. It's, it's kind of came out of nowhere because, as far as I know, um, he's never really had any, uh, you know, any any sh- any signs of uh, breaking apart from the group. But I guess he is considered the weak link of the group. He does seem to always uh, cause the losses for the team. So it was only a matter of time till I guess the they got rid of him or he left the group. Yeah, for sure. Um, and anything worth noting on the match? How was it? Did you? Uh, was it a solid opener? Oh, for sure. I mean, it's probably the most off- offense that Colby Carino has shown in a while. Um, and more and more, he just looks like his dad. It's so scary how much really of a, a young does. Steve Carino. It's, it's, really, yeah, it's really it's, like, it's, it's really scary. Odd. But that uh, was a good match. Uh, and it's always good to start the, the show with the Skulk. Gets the whole arena, gets LaBoom nice and pumped up. Um, after the match, the Skulk came in. They got interviewed by Dan Barry. Uh, Leon Ruff said how he was so excited to fight Matt Seidel, which kind of, you know, at the end of the night, it was kind of like a downer on what happened with that. Um, and then kind of uh, Adrian Adonis and Liam Gray got ready for their opponents, who were big game Leroy Green, the Nintendo Switch playing. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, a new a Wrecking Ball Ligurski, who he's actually never wrestled in Evolve, but he's a staple here for Northeast Wrestling. So he's been wrestling for a while, but it's the first time I've seen him in Evolve. Um, that match was good. Big game doing his usual Nintendo Switch uh, spots. Actually asked him what game he was playing. He said Donkey Kong Country, which is a pretty good choice. Uh, <laughs> And it, it seems at one point he was even doing Hadoukens and a bunch of other video game inspired moves. Um, as soon as they took the Switch away from him, though, he was he was getting beat down. So it's like the Switch uh, gives him power, Nintendo power, if okay. I can say. <laughs> uh, rec- it got to the point where Wrecking Ball Ligurski, who's mostly a heel, he pretty much um, got pissed off at Leroy Green for his antics. And he tied himself in. Um, the Skulk turned it around. They hit their uh, OPS, which is like their double team DDT up the top rope move. Um, they got the win in about five minutes or so. And at the end, you could tell they kind of uh, invited... Uh, Leroy Green to uh, join them in on their dancing. Fun. Was he still playing the Switch whilst dancing? He he was. He was. He was. Yeah. He's uh, always keeping his head down, playing the Switch, no matter what was going on. Nice. Okay. Then we went to. It was uh, Reina Gonzalez, who's uh, from NXT. Uh, she actually, uh, I guess, once Shotzi Blackheart got signed, she did a couple promos on Twitter saying, "Oh, if you, you think you could come to my yard, I'll come to your yard, see how it does." Um, it was a really short match, actually. It lasted about five minutes. Uh, Reina Gonzalez grabbed her cowbell and uh, actually attacked Shotzi with it, uh, leading to a program. Now, let, let me ask you a question, because tonight's show, 140, was originally billed as Shotzi's last match, but one of my friends told me on commentary when Reina was on, they talked about having a match uh, next month in December. Okay. Uh, was that mentioned yesterday or today? I it... for, t- for, t- for today, because going into the weekend, they kept promoting as Shotzi's last match uh, for 140 here in Brooklyn. But on commentary, I guess they were promoting a, a rematch between Shotzi and Reyna for December next month. Right. I, I didn't pick up on that, but they definitely weren't hyping this as her last appearance or anything. So that wouldn't surprise yeah. me at all. The crowd definitely wasn't aware of that for 140 because we're all under the impression that there was even a thank you uh, Shotzi share at the end of 140 because we pretty much thought it was going to be her last match. 
Right. I mean, I guess the relationship uh, NXT and Evolve have uh, with NXT sending people to Evolve that if they want a program with Reyna and like they want to, I, I guess, give Reyna some reps there and they feel Shotzi's a good person to work with, it, it kind of makes sense. Unless they've got Absolutely. something already for, for Shotzi on the on the NXT roster right away, why not keep her doing Evolve shows? Yeah, she's definitely ready. Um, and the funny part is she actually um, she wrestles for Shine as well, which usually goes um, back-to-back with Evolve. And she actually is still holding the mid-card title, the Shine Nova Championship uh, for Shine. So she still hasn't dropped that title. And she actually defended it this weekend and still retained it. Interesting. So the next match was uh, Retro Anthony Green and Harlem Globetrotter Bravado, accompanied by Brandy Lauren. They fought Kurt Stallion and Brandon Taggar. This match was uh, pretty hot from the start. They, they brawled before the bell even rang. Uh, multiple near falls. At one point, Kurt Stallion hit a crazy Spanish fly off the top rope, um, followed by a big splash by Taggar. Uh, a lot of confusion going on, but at the end of the match, uh, Brandy Lauren got on the, on the, on the uh, apron and distracted. Brandon Taggart, he got rolled out by Barato to win the match, uh, holding the tights in about 12 minutes. It seems like they could, in my eyes, do some sort of like, um, you know, how to have the Beauty to the Beast storylines where like the big guy always gets distracted by the pretty girl. It seemed like they could definitely go down that angle and maybe uh, Brandon Taggart gets uh, brainwashed by Brandy Lauren. It could definitely work out. Uh, and then he joins with them? I, I would think so. I think Brandon Taggart has, a, has an interesting style and I feel like he'd, he'd work better as a, as a, as a big uh, heel. But um, you never know how, what they sure. might do with that. Yeah, I can see that. I'd like that. Uh, the next match was uh, Joe Gacy and Sean Maluto, the Unwanted. Uh, they fought Anthony, Shark Bay Gutierrez, and Artur- Arturo Huas, who probably is one of my new favorite tag teams now. As soon as they uh, they kind of formed an, uh, an allegiance at the last show, I was I was really excited to see this match. Um, it was a pretty good match. It lasted about seven minutes or so. It ended with uh, Maluto hitting a low blow on uh, Anthony Gutierrez once the referee wasn't looking. Uh, Joe Gacy hit him with a hard lariat. Uh, won the match, and like I said, about seven minutes. After the match, uh, Kingston came out and attacked Huas. Uh, he also attacked Gutierrez, which ended up being the reason why Gutierrez was calling out the Awanted today. Um, and it led right into the next match, where uh, Eddie Kingston he, uh, told Babatunde to bring his big doofus bastard ass out. And at that point, uh, Babatunde came out. The crowd loves Babatunde. He definitely is uh, similar to how the Street Profits got a real big following and evolved. Babatunde seems to have done the same thing. Um, they wrestled in, I've never heard of this before, but it was called a, a relaxed rules match. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, Davey, but it's basically, uh, it seemed like it's not necessarily no disqualification, but they definitely had um, some uh, you know, relaxed rules, as they said. Like referee's discretion, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Like, like there was no weapons allowed, but I guess he could still, like, you know, kind of do a little cheating tactics here and there. Uh, Babatunde ended up winning the match in eight minutes. It was a power bomb into a running splash. It was a pretty good match overall. Eddie Kingston definitely knows how to get the crowd uh, against them, and Babatunde uh, definitely working over the crowd. Excellent. Um, at that point, Dan Barry, uh, it was a pretty funny moment with Barry. He got on the microphone and said, uh, you know, Babatunde was bigger than him and he could dance better than him. And then one of the fans in the, the crowd shouted, and he's funnier than you, too. Uh, the whole crowd went, ooh, you know, Barry didn't really have a comeback for that. And he's like, yeah, he probably gets funnier than me. <laughs> it seems like Barry had a had a hard weekend, maybe. Yeah, he, he definitely did. He was forgetting names here and there. And uh, just kind of, it was, it was definitely uh, interesting. I'm not That's sure if it's uh, supposed to play into his character. Yeah, I would think so. He actually reminds me of an older Adam Cole. I don't know if you get that same vibe. But every time I looked at him, I'm like, he looks like he could be Adam Cole's dad. Not Michael I'll Cole. have to have another look. I didn't, <laughs> but I'll, I'll have another look for sure. Uh, the next match was probably the uh, the most noteworthy match was uh, Leon Ruff against Matt Seidel. 
Uh, Matt Seidel got a, a big welcome back chant as he's previously wrestled at Evolve in the past. He was in his old like Impact Wrestling uh, third eye gimmick. Um, the match only lasted about three minutes, about a minute into the match. It looked like uh, Leon Ruff hit some sort of head scissors, but it seemed to have been botched. And it looked like it hit Seidel on the back. And literally uh, about like a minute later, Seidel just got up. He looked really pissed. He just got right to the back without saying anything at all. The crowd was confused. They wasn't sure if it was a storyline. Um, Leon Ruff looked a little upset as well. Um, I mean, come to find out he was okay, but it looked like he did get a, get hit pretty hard with that. So just to, obviously we've both seen uh, Evolve 140 as well, where they, it, it was confusing tonight because they were saying he was injured, but then he wrestled a match and then no signs of injury at all. Um, obviously Gabe tweeted out yesterday that he was receiving treatment backstage. Um, Dan Barry started the show off by saying like advertising matches are going to be changed due to injuries, which I think people were assuming Matt Seidel was one of them. Um, he's been reported as in- injured in a lot of reports, but then was wrestling today. So do you think yesterday was maybe just a, like a stinger or something that kind of pissed him off, but he was actually, actually fine. And then they've worked it into an angle or it was meant to be an that- angle to start with or. I don't think it was uh, an angle to start with, but I think they definitely played into it tonight. Um, and in retrospect, I have to tell you that Matt Seidel is a pretty uh, bad liar. When I uh, went ahead and met him before the show, at one point I asked him if he's okay and if he's cleared tonight. And he looked every which way but in my eyes, trying to give me an answer about how he's not cleared tonight. And I, at that point, I knew something was up because he could tell he was uh, trying to hide something and kind of play into the uh, storyline a little bit. Yeah, it was odd. And I, I, Jesse and I will go into it later, but I just didn't think it it really made sense in the story either. It's just been a bit of a confusing thing with Matt Seidel this weekend. Right. And it's kind of weird because when they first introduced him, they they said he was going to use the Evan Bourne name. They even went ahead and uh, went out the way to say that WWE allowed the name of Evan Bourne. So we all at one point thought that maybe the injury angle was him kind of leaving and being reborn as Evan Bourne with the old music and, and style and whatnot. But it doesn't seem the direction they're going to. Okay. Anyway, moving uh, the, on. So, yeah, absolutely. Nothing yeah, the to next report about that match apart from the No, no, pick, it's I guess, yeah. It never really got yeah, you started. Could, yeah, you could tell Ruff was was pretty disappointed cuz like I said earlier in the night he he made it seem like he looked up uh to Matt Seidel was one of his inspirations growing up so you could tell he was a little bummed out and not having a match, but I'm That's sure down true. the line they could definitely have one. Yeah. So the next match was a no holds barred. It was a rubber match between Anthony Henry and JD Drake. Uh this match was just ridiculous. There was power bombs into DDTs. Uh, Samoan drops off the top rope, double stomps off the top rope. Uh, at one point, it's pretty funny. Uh, Laboom is actually a nightclub, and I don't know what happened, but the lights just started going crazy. It looked like a disco in there. Uh, even the crowd started thinking it was an R Truth dance break or something. Like it was, it was so you got to go out and, and go out of your way and watch it. It was a little uh, weird to see the the, the lights just kind of going off and on. Um, at one point, Henry hit Drake with like one of the loudest chair shots I ever heard. It had the whole crowd just going, ooh. Uh, the ending was like a modified stretch muffler. Uh, it looked like Drake passed out. I couldn't really tell from my angle if he submitted or passed out. But this was the longest match of the night. It was about 21 minutes. I'm guessing they probably took some of the time off the Seidel rough match and extended their match a little bit. But it was definitely a great match. Uh, Henry won the rubber match in about 21 minutes. Nice. I think these two have fantastic chemistry. They both know their, their characters very well. Um I think since since I've started watching Evolve, um, since the network special, these these are the two that um, of your kind of more main event level uh, talent that really draw me. Oh, absolutely! Even down to like their their entrance music, like you tell they, they they definitely worked on them a little bit more to get them over. They're they're definitely like the top guys in uh, Evolve. 
The final match was uh, Austin Theory and Josh Briggs for the Evolved Championship. Before the match even started, uh, Anthony Green and Harlem Bravado actually came out and attacked Briggs to the point where the match, they thought it was called off. Uh, the refs came in. They, they made it seem like Briggs was down and out for the count. Theory even demanded to be announced as the winner, so he just got the belt and left. Uh, Briggs, while he's down, he gets the, on the mic and says to start the match. So right away, Theory runs into the, win- into the ring, uh, hits a taxia uh, for a kickout. Briggs kept fighting back. It was a pretty short match. It was about six minutes or so. Um, but the whole match was pretty much Briggs coming back from the attack. He hit two choke slams at the power bombs. The second power bomb was a sitting one to win in six minutes, uh, becoming only the 10th champion in involved history, which is pretty uh, remarkable if you think about it. The, the company's been around since 2013. They've only had 10 champions, and uh, not one of them has won the belt twice. Interesting. Yeah, they, they seem to have long. I guess it's because you're only running like once a month. Um, you can you can do long reigns. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty cool. It's surprising. You say it only went for six minutes. Yeah, it was a pretty short match. Like, well, the beatdown took a couple minutes, but the actual match itself, once the bell rang uh, from bell to bell, was only about six minutes. Hmm. And how was the match? I mean, considering Theory's had this title for a while, he's a. I, I really think he's going to be a big star. Having watched Evolve One Forty. The handling of his departure just seemed a bit throwaway to me. And then you say it, he lost it in a six-minute match. It, it seems yeah, pretty, pretty much the entire match was um, was uh, Theory trying to take advantage of Briggs being beat down from Green and Bravado and just kind of Briggs coming back and coming back and kicking out, kicking out to the point where Briggs just kind of had a hot hot ending and hit his moves back-to-back and got the win. So yeah, it, was pretty, uh, it was pretty weird to see how I'm written out in six minutes or so. Yeah. Um, overall, how did you enjoy uh, the show? It was pretty good. One last thing, though. Once the, uh, he won the match, the entire roster came out. They gave him a big reaction. Uh, Malcolm Bivens, who's down from NXT, actually came out. Um, the thing is, Austin Theory tried to walk out with the title. Bivens went ahead and, and took it from him, got into the ring. The entire crowd started chanting Stokely because he used to go by Stokely Hathaway. Yeah. He, went ahead, he went ahead and says, he doesn't know who that is, but uh, I'm Malcolm Bivens. So the whole crowd started chanting Malcolm, Malcolm, Malcolm. Um, he went ahead and got on the microphone and says, I, I want to thank Triple H and God for lifting my band because there was a storyline where he was banned from Evolve. Uh, at that point, he got really emotional and said that he actually had a show down in Florida for NXT, but he asked to leave so he can witness his friend win the championship. Oh. Uh, he says, on behalf of William Regal, everyone in NXT, everyone in Evolve, um, this is your title now. You have the juice. He started naming past Evolve uh, members like Johnny Gargano, Drew Gulak, Drew McIntyre, Matt Riddle, Keith Lee, and says, now your name is amongst those great names. You have the juice now. He says, usually the tradition is the past champion. The past uh, champion hands the title over, but since uh, Austin Theory is a little bitch, as he said, uh, he'll go ahead and do the honors. He said, I'm... I'll go ahead and uh, see Theory down in the performance center. I'll make sure to uh, stuff him in the locker. It was a really good moment. You could tell uh, Malcolm Bibbins got really emotional. It looks like him and Josh Briggs have a pretty close relationship. The entire crowd, uh, I'm sorry, the entire roster, like AR Fox, uh, they were getting really teary-eyed. They could tell it was, a, it was a great moment. And you have to remember, this is the same arena where Josh Briggs had that injury um, that a lot of people thought, unfortunately, was going to be the end of his career or, or at least uh, deter his career a little bit. So it's good to see him come back to the same arena that that happened and to win the title from Theory. For sure. Uh, overall, it was a great show. Laboom is always is always in all hot. Um, good reaction. And, uh, they're going to come back in uh, February. They said I know next month they're going to be in the Midwest or so, but they said around February they're going to come back. I think it's February fifteenth. They'll be back in Laboom. Okay. Well, I missed time my trip. I'm off to New York uh, next week. I should have maybe timed it for this weekend so I could have got experienced Laboom for myself for the first time. Yeah, it's definitely a great arena for wrestling. They've been there for a couple of years now. That's where I first started seeing Evolve, and it's definitely like I said in the past, it's like their home uh, home arena. Sweet. 
Well, do you have any final comments before I leave you to go back to Jesse? Um, just 140. I, I'm not sure if it was because there's no school tomorrow. There's a lot of kids and families and a lot of people are coming back for full gear. But that arena in Brooklyn, I, I usually don't go to that the, that arena. It's actually a church. Uh, only reason I went was because I, I was in town for a birthday party. So I figured, you know what, let me hang around here and just watch the show. But I don't know how it came off on TV, but it was actually a, a really uh, big crowd than usual. And I feel like they were they were pretty into it. Okay, cool. I think the problem is with that venue is... Um... I feel the ceilings are quite high. Like the sound doesn't come across on TV much at all. Um, were you were you able to hear them when they were talking on the microphone? Because it seems like us from the from sitting down, we had a hard time kind of hearing them talk the, on the mic. The sound is not good, and like the mic doesn't go through like uh, a box for the camera or whatever. So it's you're hearing like a muffled, amplified microphone through the camera mic pretty much so yeah i'm not you, sure what you can kind of get what they're saying but it's it's not entirely clear no yeah i'm not sure why they continue to um to do that that arena but uh you know i guess they get a nice little fan base there that comes there um just some 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 names of note that were there that they didn't wrestle but they're doing meeting greets we had adam cole was there uh tomato champa was there uh they, they pretty much brought in most of the crowd you can tell a lot of kids were there in the undisputed era shirts just to see um um, Adam Cole, they probably figured he was wrestling, but he, you know, he didn't. I feel like with this new USA network, we're going to see a lot less of, um, NXT talent that appears on TV actually wrestling on these shows. Cause in the past, you had Velveteen Dream and Undisputed Era wrestling. But this, okay. this go around, Champa and Cole didn't actually wrestle. They just did the, the meet and greets, but it's pretty good to have, you know, uh, girls like Reyna Gonzalez come down and kind of, uh, show a different side of them that you might not see them on TV. Absolutely. Uh, I heard Gargano was meant to be there, but is still selling this kind of Finn Balor attack. Um, right, right. We haven't seen him on TV since, so yeah. it kind of made sense for him not to be shown. So that's cool. Attention to detail is always a good thing. Um, finally, John, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Uh, do you want to plug your Twitter or anything like that before we say goodbye? Sure. Twitter, Instagram. My handle is the same everywhere. It's C-N-O-E-V-I-L, Cino Evil. If you want to go and see pictures of the shows and just overall wrestling talk, you can always find me on there. Excellent. Well, John, thank you very much. It's always a pleasure. Uh, now you get some rest from your weekend of wrestling, and I'll chat to you again soon. Will do. Thank you, Davey. Take care. Thank you very much, John. And now let us go on to Evolve 140, taking place from Brooklyn, New York, on November the 10th, 2019. We start in the ring with Dan Barry, who is new to both of us. We've been watching these Evolve shows for, what's this, our like eighth or ninth show, I feel we've watched, like Weekender kind of thing. Uh, total? You mean two yeah, per weekend? Two. Yeah, probably around there. Um, and yeah, this guy was new to us. Dan Barry uh, stood in the ring and is taking uh, taking the role of announcer. And we're actually moving to a, a two-man booth for commentary, which uh, previously it's just been Lenny Leonard on commentary. Um, let's take the opportunity now. How did you feel about this uh, two-man booth? Well, full disclosure, it took us about 20 minutes or 30 minutes to figure out what was going on exactly. Um, because at the start of the show, we had this new guy, Dan Barry, in the ring with Lenny Leonard. And what's the announcer's name? Uh, Trevin Adams. Trevin Adams. And then Adams isn't doing the ring announcing. This Dan Barry guy looks like a tech CEO startup, some kind of guy. And... I was wondering, what's this? And then it took me a while to realize, wait, there are two people on commentary now. But uh, we worked it out, and um, the commentary was fine. Yeah. It was good, as always. And um, Trevin 
he seemed good as the color guy, so no complaints there. Dan Barry did run into some hiccups, which yeah, we'll go over later. We'll definitely get into later. Um, I mean, this is just me putting on my sort of uh, conspiracy theory hat. Um, do you think maybe they're testing out two-man booth for the possibility of uh, moving to the network? I don't know. Do you think the WWE network would object to a one-man booth? I don't know. It depends how they're going to present it. Are we going to get... I mean, you saw in that uh, WWE Network special of Evolve that they definitely had more production going into that. It still wasn't kind of your NXT full sale quality, but it was obviously a lot of WWE stuff had been put into that, I feel. Even though we had Lenny Leonard there, I can see maybe they're, uh, they're trying out some other people just to get that more kind of WWE feel of a two-man booth. Well, knowing the WWE, they definitely like uniformity amongst their products. And it's, it's you know, a brave new world. We don't know how much they will want a company like Evolve or perhaps another indie who's with whom they have a relationship but do not control how much they want them to resemble their own product. I think there's value in diversity. And the one-man booth makes Evolve stand out. And Leonard could do it. For sure. But, yeah, there's definitely a chance that... I don't know if this would go as high as Vince, but someone at the WWE would say, no, we, we do two-man booths, and if you want to be on our network, you have to have a two-man booth. Two but person booth, it can also be a way that, similarly, like, Evolve has seemed to become what NXT used to be mm-hmm. uh, with trying to get talent to... I mean, you, you look at the Street Profits now, and they they developed so much by going back to Evolve. And you wonder whether commentary is something they'd like to do as well. And with NXT being live two hours a week now, they don't necessarily want commentators uh, trying out there. Not that I'm saying that these are people trying out for WWE, but it's something they could use uh, by rotating that second man uh, on Evolve. Well, they've still got poor Tom Phillips just hanging in the breeze. He's, he's a man without a show, so if anyone goes down, they can slot him in. And I so, like Tom Phillips. It's so a the, shame. The pipeline, they're fine, at least for white guys. Yeah. We know they they want some diversity amongst their commentary, which is good, but it does sort of mean that we have Tom Phillips, who's <laughs> got nothing to do right now. I know. Um, with that being said, let's go into the first match of the evening, which is Sean Maluda and Colby Carino from The Unwanted against Mike Werner and Keikoa? Is it Kikoa? Uh, yeah, Keikoa. I'm going with Keikoa. 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 Uh, which means Courageous Warrior. And this guy was uh, pretty tall. Um, he had like long, dark hair and this kind of black face paint. They said, wasn't it meant to represent like volcanic ash? They said it was volcanic ash. It was ash. volcanic ash. Okay. I don't know of any volcanoes in Brooklyn though, so I don't know if he brought <laughs> it over from Hawaii. He came up with this cool kind of helmet um, headdress almost. Yeah. Which looked cool. He couldn't wrestle in it. Um, without it, he just kind of looks like uh, Billy Kidman circa 1996. Yeah, he kind of, he did lose something when he took that off because I'm I'm new to this guy. I haven't seen him before and he was... It's like, okay, this is interesting. This is something new. Maybe more ash or face, more elaborate face paint might might work for him. Or like some, something on the body as well, like some body paint, like patterns or... Yeah, I mean, perhaps a more nuanced depiction of um, 
Pacific Islander culture sure. um, would be, I'd like that, because we see, obviously, many Samoans, Sean Maluda being one of them in yeah. wrestling, um, and but I don't know of many people who, you know, claim their Hawaiian ancestry. I know Ricky Steamboat, I think he was born in Hawaii, but... Well, you've got the the great Kona Reeves, of course. Oh, how could I forget? The, the savior of NXT, the finest. My apologies, Mr. Reeves. Uh, so Maluda and Verna start the match. Maluda is sh- throwing a load of chops. Verna hits a shotgun drop kick. There's a leg scissors from Verna. Karina gets, uh, sorry, Carino gets tagged in and gets suplex bounced against each rope. Now, I keep on getting confused between the unwanted and the forgotten sons. I keep calling them the unwanted sons and etc. But this wasn't the unwanted doing, uh, forgotten sons moves, but how it was actually, uh, Verna, because Forgotten Sons love bouncing people off those ropes. So he basically had Carino in a vertical suplex and bounced him off eat all four ropes on the top. Um, Kekoa gets tagged in and jumps from the top uh, to the arm of Carino. Uh, there's a clothesline from Kekoa for a two. Uh, Maluda tags in and hits the Shining Wizard to Kekoa only for a two count. Maluda then hits the Samoan drop, followed by a Huluva kick for a two count. Uh, Keikoa hits a double blockbuster to the unwanted. Werner is tagged in and hits a Northern Light suplex with a bridge for a two. There's a big elbow drop from Keikoa for a two. A big forearm to Werner from Carino, followed by a kick. There's a nice looking Topecon Hilo from Colby to the outside with very little response from the crowd. I think they're Attention must have been on something going on elsewhere, and the camera barely caught this. But it was a pretty look, cool-looking dive, which was a shame it didn't get a response. When it first happened, and it was so quiet, I thought, oh, we're in for a night like this, with yeah. a like this. But I don't think this was a case of the crowd being dead. It was some reason they just didn't sort of clock it. I have a feeling the other two were doing something else, and yeah. just their their attention was focused on that. And it kind of came out of nowhere. There was no like big run up for it. Like it's got to be said. I'm often uh, critical of. I sound like Jr. But the the stalling and the time wasting before hitting a big move, say. Omega doing his Terminator stuff and really milking it before hitting a dive and you go well it kind of takes me out of it because realistically like the amount of time it's taken to do that you just move out the way but then you can see when something like this happens and you just hit it the crowd aren't ready you kind of need to get them ready for that and draw the attention to yourself Um, the match ends with Maluda hitting his uh, frog splash for the three count. Uh, how did you feel about this opening match? I thought it was a good opener. I thought uh, Carino does his sort of manic, high flying stuff pretty well. He bumps really well for the uh, his opponents. I think Maluda is progressing. He's getting a little more comfortable in that ring. He's looking pretty good. And and uh, Kakoa and Mike Verna I hadn't seen before. Seems like an odd pairing, but I think they're new. Yeah, they did seem like just two randoms thrown together. There wasn't any, like, uniformity between them. So I'd like to see more of uh, Kakoa, see maybe flesh out this character. Verna, his... um, He's pretty well built. He's he's very fit. He's he's muscular. He looks good. But his gimmick is like a body gimmick. They did one bit where um, he had... I don't remember which one, but he had one of his opponents in, like, a... um, He's holding him horizontally to his chest, like he would just like a, a slam. Yep. And then Kakoa put the other guy 
on his uh, shoulders for like a combination power slam yeah. and and power bomb. So his gimmick is like the the strength guy, the strong man, and he looks good, especially for like evolve. But you know, when you see him, if you're used to watching wrestling, he doesn't like, you know he doesn't look like a you know bodybuilder. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I was reminded of what you said about um, Tony Nice on your latest episode of Up Next, saying. Yeah, his abs look great, but so do Finn Balor's, and he has a personality. You don't. <laughs> That's the problem. Yeah, it's a, it, it's a hard thing to get over, and especially as they're playing the baby face team. Yeah, just your average Joe watching it, like, cool. Okay, you've got a good body. It 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 doesn't feel the real baby face character. Yeah, either. I, I would say keep doing power spots if you can do them. Those look good, but. Did you catch his nickname? It was something Steel. I don't think it was Man of Steel. That's Superman. But it's something I didn't Steel. Catch it, no. Yeah, maybe the commentary should lay off talking about how muscular he is. Like, let him. Let's show. Don't tell. Show yes, us how strong you are. For sure. Uh, Eddie Kingston comes out, who is the leader of the Unwanted, and he gets the mic. Tells the crowd to shut up. Uh, he's putting over his faction and gets Dan Barry to uh, announce Sean Maluda again as the winner of the match. Um, as the, what is he known as? The Unwanted Savage, I believe. Yes. Um, and then, so Kingston's going through his team. You've got uh, the Unwanted Savage with uh, Maluda. He's putting over Joe Gacy. And then turns to Colby Carino and just goes, and we've got the Unwanted Son, Colby Carino. And just completely no-sells it. And you go, okay, what's going on here? Um, and then he turns to Gacy and goes, look, I want you to do what Colby Carino couldn't do and finish off A.R. Fox. And Colby's like, wait, wait, no, no, I was so close last time. I can do it. Um, and he goes, no, you're like your father, undependable. And this pisses off Carino and he slaps him right in the face and leaves the ring. Uh, so it looks like Carino's out of the unwanted. I don't think so. You don't? You think no. he's going to be trying to prove himself? Or? Yeah, because after he got slapped, uh, Kingston was smiling. Yeah. And so Leonard was surmising that maybe Kingston was trying to get a rise out of him and, and liked it. He was whiplashing um, him. Yeah, so I think uh, long term we could be building to that, especially because his ability to sell and his sort of high flying, I think Colby Carino is kind of a natural baby face. So maybe we're building to that, but I don't think this signifies him exiting the unwanted and uh, I'd just like to say, Eddie Kingston, his stage presence, amazing. Like, he's fantastic. And he's so good. He kept just his little gesturing to um, to Barry, like he wasn't holding the microphone high enough. And yeah. Like, he doesn't, He. I don't know if he ever took improv classes or this is just what you get for working as long as he has, but he can play off anyone. And it was really impressive to see Kingston sort of in his element like this, just really you can tell he's at home here he, oh, he he's so he's so comfortable yeah. um on the mic yeah he's fantastic we then go to a women's division match which is alex grazia uh versus reina gonzalez who you may know from uh the mayan classic one and two and i believe she's appeared in nxt a few times it actually took me a second to realize who she was because she didn't have the chaps no chaps where have the chaps gone uh, she's replaced them with some uh, ripped jeans. Uh, this was a super quick match. Um, it's a kind of David versus Goliath story. Uh, Grazia uses the ropes to assist her with the leg scissors, but can't quite take Reina down, who just catches her and picks her back up. 
Uh, Gracia jumps off the ropes again and gets caught into a slam. It's just a load of big power moves from Gonzalez. There's a bear hug just wearing down Gracia. And then Reina Gonzalez hits a short arm clothesline for the win. Uh, I like this. I didn't like the finish. That short arm clothesline, I think, needs some work. Um, so certainly was no Rainmaker. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, I liked it. About maybe a minute or 90 seconds into the match, uh, I don't remember which, if it was Leonard or, or Trevin said, um, after Gracia kicked out of something, said, Gracia is still somehow in this. And I'm thinking, it's been like a minute in the, in the match, just saying somehow. So I like this because I kept expecting the babyface comeback. Yeah. And it just never came. And I think that, you know, you sacrifice Gracia, yes, but she's young, she's she's still new, and you're giving something to Reyna. So even though Reyna hasn't beaten a name in, in Gracia, you showed that she's so dominant. And this wasn't like a one-minute squash, maybe three or four minutes. and But she just controlled the whole match. So I think it really builds her up as dominant. And later on, Reyna would go on commentary. So clearly, it looks like they've worked out. She will have a prolonged stay here in Evolve, and they're going to build her up. Which I think is good, because we've learned uh, she's been in NXT for three years now. Yeah. Which... I I can remember maybe one or two shows she was on very shortly after the May Young Classic. And beyond that, I I haven't seen her for a long time. Um, so I think this is good. Uh, I think the women's division in Evolve with... Uh, they're losing uh, a huge name in Shotzi Blackheart. I mean, we may see her appear every now and then because obviously the connection between NXT and Evolve. Um, but... Shotzi Blackheart is the main woman in their division, so they they do need to fill it up. Um, and yeah, to give Reina Gonzalez more matches, and hopefully we'll see her uh, in the new crop in NXT, maybe down the line. And as you always say, the women's division in NXT is perhaps the best in the world. I mean, maybe stardom, but like, it's great. So Reina's been there for three years, and that sounds kind of bad because we haven't seen much of her, and she hasn't, you know, really shown off. But that's a tough division to break into and hang with. So if she can sort of get her experience here and evolve, I mean, I think if she can get to a certain level, I think WWE would love to use her at a high for level. Sure, She's yeah. got the size, and just looking at her, I can see. Now, this would be far from the future, and this is like best case scenario, but I can see them really going hard with a program with her and Charlotte, because they're both tall and athletic. Exactly, yeah. And Charlotte's the queen, and Reyna, if I'm not mistaken, is Spanish for queen. So I can just imagine, you know, the feud for them is like already written, but she has to get there first. I mean, we, we she mentioned about her father earlier and looked him up, and she was, her father's Ricky Gonzalez, who was apparently a an indie worker and trained her. But even that comes in. It's like my father's Ric Flair and yours is just Ricky Gonzalez. It's like, you'd write itself. It does write itself. And obviously we're looking way down the line, but I think, uh, Reina Gonzalez. Yeah, definitely has, uh, potential to break out and has a lot of good things going for her. That stands her out from the rest of the crowd. Um, Alex Grazia didn't really, see much of her at all this wasn't a showcase however i did think the uh the couple of things she did off the ropes did look pretty cool uh i would like to see a more sustained match to see what she is capable of um but she did impress with the two little uh rope moves she did early on in the match um moving on we go to brandon taggart 
versus Baba Tunde. Now, talking about big athletes, Brandon Taggart is a big boy, um, but Baba Tunde is even bigger. Like, it really made me realise here how huge Baba Tunde is, because Brandon Taggart, in all the matches we've seen so far, has towered over everyone. So does this qualify as big lads wrestling? Big lads wrestling, absolutely. Um, so this is... Uh, Babatunde, the what is it, the Polish prince? That's what I call him. Oh, you call him that. Okay. <laughs> we discovered he's from Poland uh, last time we reviewed it. Can I say something about his entrance? Yeah. I'd say maybe along with the Unwanted, I actually like his entrance music. I think it's some of the best in Evolve. It's kind of funky. I like it. And when he first starts coming down, he's, you know, kind of um, bopping up and down. He's got some swag. I'm like, okay, cool. He's got some swag. This looks good. But he starts sort of dancing a little too much. And I'm like, okay. You're getting a Brodus Clay territory yeah. here. Let's, let's. He does have that thing about him. I yeah. Think. So I mean, yeah, swag, good, but full on dancing. Let's not go that far. Yeah, I, I gotta say, just a word of advice: never dance if you're a wrestler. Never, like, never give away that you might have the moves because you will end up being stuck with it. Yeah. I've... Even if you can't dance, you end up getting stuck with it. What is the best case scenario? Spinner Rooney is like the best. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, probably. <laughs> and even you could argue Booker T was never booked to his true potential in WWE. No, yeah. no. Uh, I mean, New Day, I guess, but there's more just like pissing around rather than let's have a dance break kind well, of thing. I mean, we'll, s- well see where there's that's going. We'll see to, where that story is going if it's going anywhere. Yeah. Uh, so the two square up. Um, you can, yeah, the size difference. This is like, um, like the Big Show Shack stare down. Andre Big John Stud, WrestleMania one. Um, Taggart gets right into his face, showing that he's not afraid of his size. They do a kind of test of strength grappling to start with. Uh, Taggart hits some forearms. Babatunde uh, hits some uh, like big hands to the midsection, and followed by a forearm. Uh, there's a clothesline which absolutely floors Taggart. Babatunde rips off Taggart's tank top and reveals underneath the tank top there is another tank top. Another tank top. Or a okay, this is no, it wasn't a tank top. So he, a singlet was it? Yeah. Right. So Taggart comes out and he's got like the Cactus Jack style flannel, flannel yeah. over it, right? And he rips that off. And I thought the same thing as you at first. Oh yeah, he's got the the, the undershirt under underneath it. No, it's a singlet tucked into his ratty jeans underneath a. Fl- no, this is a bad look. Taggart, no, you you got to switch this. This is a big man. He's yeah. got a big of a. He's got a bit of a belly. Maybe more than a bit of a belly, but that's fine. I'm okay with different body types in wrestling, but dress for your body type. This is like those middle-aged dudes who drink beer all day and they tuck their shirts in and their belly hangs over their belt. Yeah. No, you don't want this look. Do not tuck your singlet into your pants. Just wear (laughs) a normal undershirt. You'll look better. I would say, though, his look is unorthodox. Like, it, it wouldn't roll in WWE at all, but... The difference is, I, re- I remember who he is because he, he looks so bizarre. Whereas, what was the guy, Mike Werner? Was it in the first match? Yeah. There's nothing I could tell you about him. Like, I can't remember what he looks like, what he was wearing. At least this guy, like, there's something different about him. And if he can start, like, really proving it in the ring as well, the look can change down the line. But at least it stands out. 
I'm not trying to give the dude a whole makeover. I'm just saying, <laughs> don't wear a wrestling singlet tucked into your ratty jeans underneath your ratty flannel shirt. That's We need him on Queer Eye, right? <laughs> no, I want him to be even rattier, if anything. Just right. wear like a soiled undershirt sure. underneath. <laughs> that works. Like a Luke Harper look. Yeah, okay. Um, Taggart runs against Babatunde, trying to ground him, uh, like keeps on running up against him, eventually just gets shoulder blocked and falls to the floor. Babatunde goes for a jumping uh, headbutt, but Taggart rolls out the way just in the nick of time. They almost look pretty nasty. There's a rolling hip attack from Taggart, a big splash off of the second rope for a two count. Taggart hits a couple of super kicks and a clothesline for a two. Babatunde tries for the choke slam but gets blocked and eats a couple of uppercuts. And then Babatunde gets him up in the torture rack and hits a neck breaker, followed by the big splash for the win. Uh, the, tor- the torture rack neckbreaker was impressive because he stalled. He had Taggart on his shoulders for like 15 seconds, yeah. maybe. It was impressive. Um, you mentioned those super kicks. Hmm. I think it's a little bit generous. <laughs> uh, this match, I mean, we're both nuanced wrestling fans. We know that guys like Marco Stunt can be great wrestlers, but there's no denying you get two big dudes in a ring like that and even we, everyone takes notice. We're like, oh, okay, what's going to happen yeah. here? And so I like the pairing. It made sense. I think the match maybe went like two minutes too long because Taggart was gassed. And at the very end, I think Baba Tunde was gassed. And yeah. I don't blame them. They're big dudes and sure. they're, they're, you know, they're still fighting their feet. Um, but yeah, those, those super kicks did not quite reach any significant heights. No. From Taggart. And I think he was just, he was out of steam at that point. I kind of feel for both these guys, though, maybe it would be better for them to be working with smaller, like smaller, more seasoned wrestlers. I agree, but you can't deny the spectacle. Like, it, for it, it sure. was interesting. For sure. Um, but I feel of the stuff we've seen Babatunde do, like, he's, he's a prospect. He's, he's in NXT and, you look at the size again, like surely this is someone Vince would just love to get his hands all over. Um, and if he's one of the projects that have been sent to evolve to improve, I don't really see what this kind of match does to help him. I think what it does is it shows someone like me that he has improved because, you know, if he's in the ring with Eddie Kingston mm. and it's a good match, we can say, well, Eddie Kingston knows what he's doing. He carried Babatunde to a good match. He's, I think, the more experienced one of the two in here with Taggart. Sure. And, and I was impressed with, you know, what he did in the match. So maybe he didn't learn much from the match, but at least showed me and, and perhaps more importantly showed, you know, bookers in the back or whomever that he is improving and he's yeah, learning. and his potential, yeah. for sure. Uh, next match is our favorite, Kurt Stallion with the headband. Love that headband. <laughs> you gotta love the headband. Versus Austin Theory. This was very strange. Seeing Austin Theory, like, what, third, fourth match in, um, he wasn't even closing the first half, just thrown in this match, no title. Um, Yeah, so the first question, obviously, is the angle had been Theory was called up or signed with NXT, and he would only stay in Evolve for as long as he had the title. Well, he lost the title last night, so why is he still here? And they gave kind of a half explanation. We know why, because you, he's they, been booked, you booked on both shows. Yeah. yeah, so it makes sense. Fine, I'll let it slide. Did you see what uh, Theory did when he came out before he got in the ring? It was pretty subtle. Okay. No. Um, the crowd was chanting, uh, where's your title? Yeah. 
and he, what he did was he pointed like off in the distance. And he said, it's over there. And, uh, Lenny Letter then explained he was pointing towards Adam Cole, who was, I think, signing okay, nice. autograph or, or merch or something. So basically saying his title is now going to be the NXT championship. Yeah. So I don't know if he planned that beforehand. I don't know how he could. I mean, did he know the crowd was going to ch- chant that? But again, theory just... And fits in with his gimmick because yeah. his whole thing has been, I'm NXT now. Like, I'm I'm coming down to do you guys a favor here. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, like he, that. yeah, he didn't come out. I mean, he'll lose the title. You think they come out and complain, say, "Oh, you screwed me. You did this. You did that." No, Theory knows his character, and his character is like, "I don't care. I, I've got I don't need that fry. anymore." Yeah. yeah, completely. So dismissive. Uh, there's a grapple exchange from Theory to Kurt Stallion straight away, and Theory just bails to the outside, catches breath. He's not ready for this match yet. Um, he goes back in, and Stallion grounds Theory with a headlock. There's a shoulder block from Theory, and this time Stallion rolls to the floor himself. Um, there's a low pay from Stallion to the outside. Any kind of dive in these venues, just I kind of hold my breath a bit, because those guardrails are so close, they look so unstable. Uh, this low pay looked awesome, but it was just going crashing right into that guardrail. Um, there's a rolling thunder dropkick from Theory. Hey... Does it does a drop kick hurt more when you do a forward roll before you hit it? Is that just yeah, a thing? Obviously. It's called momentum. Momentum. Physics. The big mo. Look it up sometime. Okay. If you, the more you spin, the more anything's gonna hurt. Whether it's a an elbow, a splash, drop kick. Yeah, you gotta spin like six or seven times, you that guy's out. Yeah, that okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Thank yeah, you. Absolutely. I've been thinking that for a while. Science. Um Theory puts on Stallion's headband. Uh, sorry, there's a, a standing moonsault from Theory for a two count. Uh, then Theory goes and puts on Stallion's lovely shiny headband. Before the match, Stallion had like snuck up behind Theory and put the headband around his waist to like joke that, oh, this is the only title that you have now. And so that prompted Theory to grab the headband and he put it on. And then Stallion gets the headband back and he does a shitty headbutt. And I just want to say now, I'm done with headbutts. Yeah, I... I'm, I'm done with them. Because either they're the sick kind that ended Shibata's career, and then Ishii's playing Russian roulette with his career every time he does them. The yeah. real skull on skull. Yeah. Don't need to see that. No. Otherwise, they usually look pretty shitty. They look bad. Uh, and they yeah. make no sense, because if you're actually in a fight and you want to headbutt someone, you headbutt their nose. You break their nose. You break their nose. You don't go skull on skull, because that's stupid. So unless you're, like, a giant... Like, if Baba Tunde wants to do the old, like, big show Andre the Giant thing where he, like, holds your head and headbutts his thumb... That really cheesy cartoony one. And that's fine with me. Otherwise, I don't need to see a headbutt. And we're beyond that anyway now. Like, you see what these big guys can do now. You you don't need that kind of giant. And as you said, it just looks so contrived when it's done like that. Yeah, but when it's someone like the great Kali is doing it, I'll still get into it. Because <laughs> I'm a mark for just big, scary dudes doing silly headbutts. But otherwise, I don't want to see it. No, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I'm, I hate, hate them. It, like, that Shibata match is one of my favorite matches and just it, it takes me out of it as soon as that happens it makes me feel sick they're either t- way too real or not real enough so just a forearm works just as good guys like just do that i completely agree um this is quite a cool little moment though um there's a big slap from stallion followed by the headbutt you mentioned theory follows it by uh, sorry stallion follows it to it by a hitting a drop kick to the corner 
and then jumps and stamps on his feet, uh, follows it up with a DDT, and then a splash off the top rope for a two count. I that was a really cool sequence. Really nice little sequence. The standing on the feet and pulling him up to the, the DDT, I really like that. Yeah. It's like no wasted motion. He really... Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Lenny Leonard informs us that Theory had the fourth longest title reign and was only a week away from beating Drew McIntyre um, to become third place. And I believe he said uh, the... Sorry, who were the other champions? Did you catch... Um, first yeah, and second. The longest is Zack Sabre Jr. Right. Uh, second, it's someone I, I know. So, um, he did mention it, I just missed the note. But uh, anyway, so Theory, very long title reign. Uh, almost beat Drew McIntyre, but not quite. There's a super kick from Theory, followed by a buckle bomb, and then the 2K1, which is, uh, like, as we call on the show, the Sushi Garoshi. It's the suplex into the Yushi Garoshi. But he hooks the ankle yeah. with this. It looks very cool. Just a two count. Theory goes for the Rolling Thunder blockbuster, but gets caught with a beautiful German suplex into a bridge for a two count. That was a great uh, like chain, a reversal there. That looked really great. Um this time, he finally hits the Rolling Thunder blockbuster, but it's only a two, and Theory starts to get pissed. Uh, that was a three. He's getting angry. Uh, he goes for a taxia, which gets countered into... Uh, they called it a sushi gro- uh, sorry, a Ushiguroshi, but it was... It wasn't. It no. was more like Okada's neck breaker across the knee. Yeah, heavy rain. I think heavy rain. Um, at this point, Anthony Green runs out to distract Stallion, and Theory rolls him up, Holding the tights for the three count. Uh, I thought this was quite a nice little match. Um, there's some really nice, cool sequences. And uh, yeah, I thought these two worked together really well. I agree. It was a great match. The best we'd seen so far. Um, I think the best match I've ever seen of Stallion. Uh, yes, I agree. Uh, yeah, you and I have kind of been a bit cold on him. Um, but yeah, he was, he impressed here, I thought. Yeah, apart from his shitty headbutt finish, I don't have a problem with his work. He's a good worker. Yeah. And this, he really showed it off this time. Those transitions of reversals, excellent. I don't know how much I want to see an Anthony Green, Kurt Stallion feud, to be honest, which is obviously what they're building here. Um, well, they've been, haven't they already had they, several they've matches? Done, yeah, they've they, had like two, three matches. They it, had a match at the Evolve, the, the network show. Yeah, I they're think. always interacting. Um, so there's chance of asshole from the crowd towards Green. Uh, Stallion looks pissed and challenges him. He goes, you get your ass into this ring and I'll beat the ever living shh crap out of you. Didn't quite say shit. Yeah, that was very cute. Yeah. Um, and then Harlem Bravado jumps Stallion from behind. Brandy Lauren slides a chair into green and he hits, um, both times he hit this move, they just said, oh, he's running up the ropes and he's planted him. But it's essentially the, um, the unprettier, the um, impaler, the kill switch, whatever you want to call it. Christian's, uh, like unprettier, uh, but running up the rope, um, and onto the chair, which I thought looked pretty cool. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good finish. Um, I just like to warn all the listeners right now that we're in about minute four of about twelve minutes of complete fuckery, and just buckle up because this is gonna be hard to follow. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> we're at this bit. Um. So then, Green and Bravado put the chair in the middle of the ring and tells Theory to sit in his throne, 
and they're basically going to send him off in style. So instantly, we're both thinking, turn? Are they going to beat up Theory, like a la um, Gallison and Anderson on AJ Styles in Japan? Yeah. We're thinking that'll just babyface them. So how are they going to do this? Well, here's what they did. So they got out a load of, like, streamers and wizards. There weren't any party hats, I was expecting. There were party hats. There were party hats? Yeah, but Brandy okay. Lauren only put it on for, like, two seconds and took it off. Ah. I don't know why. Um, WH would not be impressed with Brandy Lauren's streamer skills. Uh, she tried throwing the streamers at, but, like, Sumo Hall, this was not. Um, they don't have streamers in Buffalo. No, fair enough. Um, and then... Yeah, so uh, they then say, you are the reason why Triple H watches us. You are the reason why we were on the WWE Network and just glorifying Austin Theory before he he goes on his merry way to Florida. And then AR Fox and the Skulk come out. I'd like to point out that they come out after Green has lionized Austin Theory for like three minutes yeah after chris stallion got the piss beat out of him they didn't think we should save him no no they wait for all that to end and then they come out and now we see how they send off austin theory it is he just he walks to the back he walks to the back that's that, it that's that it guys it. We're, we're up to the next match austin theory your fourth longest reigning evolve champion a a really high prospect i think i think he's going to be a a megastar in WWE. Um, yeah. I don't know if there are rules of what they could do because he's now a contracted WWE performer or if they didn't want to tease like a new feud that we're going to pay off. But this was, they're praising him in the, in the ring for like three minutes. What are they building to? Nothing. He gets up and walks away. That's it. That's the bit. The guy can talk as well. Yeah. So I, I feel like he should have had some big promo. I understand if you don't want to do it last night because it's Josh Briggs' moment and you don't want to take that away from him by having, uh, like, Austin Theory heel on the crowd. Sure, yeah. But I feel he could have just won this match, grabbed the mic, uh, being like, look, that's the last you're going to see of that here. I've given you enough of my time. I'm better than this. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be a holding a championship that means something, or something like that, heal himself, throw the finger up, walk out. If he couldn't do the honors on the way out because of the WWE contract, fine, ha- have the match the same way, and then, you know, he, he he beats Stallion by pulling the tights, and then he gets the mic, he does your bit, and then Stallion comes up behind him and does the dumb headbutt or whatever, and, like, slams him and throws him out of the ring, and then that's it. Like, yeah. fine, get him, let him get some of the heat back, and then you can have bravado and green beat up stallion still do this whole beat down if you want to like yeah it was odd uh so there's a, a a stare down between fox and theory just before theory leaves i mean that that was the story i guess uh ar fox was austin theory's trainer and they kind of tease like oh are they gonna like acknowledge each other shake hands fight and they just had a little stare and then theory left then we just hear this voice out of nowhere. Uh, the camera's on the ring. Can't see who it is. It's not identified at all. We don't know who's talking. Yeah, so I, I think you've got Anthony Green, Brandy Lauren, Harlem Bravado in the ring. Are the Skulk in the ring at this point? I don't think the Skulk... Are they in the ring? They're coming to the ring? By the way, Air Fox, after he looks at Theory, he just walks he, away. He, he leaves. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
and then we're hearing this voice. We're like, who is this? And then it's revealed it's Matt Seidel. The injured Matt Seidel. The injured Matt Seidel. So he, yeah, he was injured in Evolve 139 and had to leave the match early and was checked at the back. Uh, but seems like he's he's fine because he's going to be wrestling a match here. Um, cut a very Dolph Ziggler style yeah, promo. This very was much so. he even sounded like Dolph Ziggler. Um, it was all like he was bigging up how his uh, like his training school, the WWN training school, is better than the PC. I believe he was uh same florida's better than brooklyn um yeah i don't think he dissed the wwe was PC. it not no, no. That's, that's that's verboten you can't do that but he said florida's better than brooklyn yes um yeah just bigging up himself and then they will get into the ring they're about to brawl and then dan barry <laughs> this is the best part the, everybody the announcer just <laughs> grabs the mic and is like halfway in the ring to announce <laughs> and is and goes uh, the next match is Leon Roth, they are Fox, and and runs away. <laughs> he runs away! He runs away from the ring! What? This was, this was definitely a make a good Lucha Things moment. It was, um, if uh, this is not on Botchamania, I, like, it's gotta, it's gotta be. It's, this was priceless. Okay, everybody makes mistakes, so, you know, like, I, I'm not saying you shouldn't have a career or anything. I'm just saying this was very entertaining. And you know what? I understand why he fucked up. Because I think what happened was, he goes, uh, Leon Ruff, and then who's Leon Ruff's partner? The other tag team champion, yeah. AR Fox. You just naturally say Leon Ruff, AR Fox. But AR Fox had just, I don't know, let's say get a pack of smokes or something. He left, he's gone. He has a match later. We would later find out. Um, so it's one half of the tag champs with two other people. So that, that confused him. And he screwed it up. And he didn't know how to save it. And he just went, ah, and ran I would, away. I would say if this was going to happen in any match, this was the best match for it to happen. Because it it was made, I believe it was originally going to be uh, a two-on-two tag. And it's now become a six-man tag. And there's kind of brawling going on. So it's like, it's his job to announce. But they're kind of already fighting. So it... Where they were standing you, close to each other. You can't, yeah. So you can kind of play it off as, oh, the next match is, oh, fuck it, they're doing it anyway. Whereas if this was just stood in the middle of the ring, the next match is between Leo. Uh, true, uh, yeah. that would so that would that would look worse. Kind kind of got away with it, but this was very very funny. I I'm gonna go back and watch this once it's on VOD. And let us also point out at the beginning of the show. Dan Barry says, first he has some bad news, Matt Seidel is injured and he cannot perform tonight. And then he says, don't boo, because then you'd be a jerk. He's actually hurt. Yeah. Which seems sincere to me. I don't know why you say that if you're doing an angle. But they were doing an angle, because he's he's not hurt. He's got some new heel character, or talking about his third eye, some sort of Prince Rene Descartes thing, I don't know. Uh, stuff you can't bring to Japan, that's what he's on. <laughs> and... I guess I don't. I don't know. I mean, John Cena discussed it. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with him it, right now. It's an angle. If it started off that way, I don't know. But I don't know why you come out at the start of the show say he's injured. Everybody, he can't wrestle, and he just walks down and says, "Oh no, I'm fine. Let's wrestle." Yeah, I'm not sure if it was a like, like something. Like he was legit. Took a bit of a like. A knock that shook him yesterday, so obviously being safe, left, and then they worked it into an angle, or whether that was the start of the angle. 
I know, um, I know John seemed confused when he watched it live. He was like, it seemed like you just kind of went, fuck it, and left. Okay, but even putting aside whatever happened yesterday, what was the benefit tonight of saying, he's injured everybody, and then... What does he gain yeah, from it? Because like, the heel tactic is, you fake an injury not to wrestle. Yeah, which is not what happened. I don't know. <laughs> this was like 12 minutes of just... Confusion. Yeah, so you we've mentioned before, Evolve likes to do the thing that ECW used to do where they have matches flow into each other. Yes. And there's some benefits to that, and we've seen it, and it works great a lot of the time, and it's good that the match, the, the show goes quickly. This is an example of maybe why you don't want to do that, because this just, they got, everyone got caught up with each other, and it was a mess, and you're confused. It, it, Who are you focusing on? What is the next match? What is happening? You confuse your poor ring announcer. He didn't know what was going on. Yeah, it confuses the feuds. It, as we mentioned, like the Austin Theory send-off, it kind of just seemed like an afterthought. Um, and yeah, it, it takes, it even takes into the match. You're still kind of not sure what's going on. And I didn't think it helped because the beginning of the match, they, they kind of started brawling. Um, just say it was the Skulk, which was Leon Ruff, Liam Gray, and Adrian Alanis. So AR Fox was not part of the team uh, against uh, Anthony Green, Harlan Bravado, and Matt Seidel. So they have a bit of a brawl to start with. And then they, they like, leave. The heels leave. They start heading towards the back. And I'm starting to think, oh, are they, like... Teasing that Seidel's going to wrestle, but he is actually legit hurt, so he can't. But then I thought, well, no, he's already taken a bump, I'm pretty sure. And then they just go back to the ring, and the match starts uh, properly. So it starts with uh, Bravado and Gray are going at it, and the heels are just ganging up on Liam Gray, not allowing him to make the tag at all. Uh, Seidel uh, tags in and hits a really nice-looking... Like standing corkscrew moon salt into a senton, um, I thought looked fantastic. Um, Seidel tries to drag Gray and gets caught with a leg scissors. Uh, Gray manages to make the tag to Alanis, who hits a big blue thunder bomb to Bravado and a huge spinebuster to Green. Alanis runs against the ropes, but Bravado pulls him down, sending him falling to the floor. And there's like not really any padding outside here either. Um, looked like a pretty cool bump because Alanis is pretty big um the heels and Alan get Alanis into the corner and there are quick tags between them the commentary is questioning the legitimacy of Seidel's injury here um as were we but you were you seem to think what what's the point bringing this up this is so confusing Seidel showed no signs in his work of anything being injured like if anything, it's babyface him. He's working through an injury. I don't, I don't get any of this. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was it was very confusing. Um, Alanis escapes and tags in Ruff, who fires up on everyone. Seidel starts showing a pretty aggressive side towards Ruff. Uh, Ruff does this thing where he it, it's been gift quite a lot, where he jumps from rope to rope. The other guy's trying to swipe at him. Obviously, Matt Seidel's known in his time as like Evan Bourne, etc., being being a high flyer, being very quick himself, and uh, they're making a point that it's not often you see someone who is faster than Seidel. I love this spot Ruff does; it gets me every time he does it. He's he basically jumps from like the top rope to the other top rope, down to the second rope to the other second rope, 
down to the bottom ropes, constantly avoiding his opponent and then crawls under his legs and follows it up with an ace crusher off the second rope to Seidel. He then hits a double ace crusher to Bravado and Seidel. Uh, Green gets tagged back in. There's a tope suicida from Alanis to Bravado. Ruff hits a swanton to everyone on the outside. There's a boot to the face from Bravado to Grey. A huge discus lariat from Alanis to Bravado. Seidel and Ruff have a really nice exchange of just kicks and ducking. There's a big clothesline from Ruff to Seidel. There's a back body drop from Bravado to Grey with Green catching it into a powerbomb. So, yeah, so uh, Liam Gray's running towards Bravado. He hits a big back body drop, but in doing so, Anthony Green catches him and plants him with the powerbomb. I thought it was a really cool-looking spot. Um, and then Brandy Lauren grabs that damn chair again to give to Anthony Green. As the ref's distracted getting the chair out the ring, uh, Anthony Green hits the low blow to Liam Gray and then runs up the ropes to hit the unprettier for the pin. Yeah, I didn't really like this match. I think it suffered from the initial confusion. It didn't really get going. It was too long. Basically, it was just the heels had the heat on Gray the whole time. I like some of Alanis' spots. Mm. I, I think I've seen one match of his before. Didn't really think much of it, but he had some good spots. Um, he's one of these guys who... he's. Pretty big. He's pretty muscular, yeah. and I think he works well in a tag. We can come in and do power spots. We've seen him in a few multi-man matches. Yeah. He was in like a big, uh, big six-person match with uh, Taggart a few evolves yeah. ago. He's he's done a couple of tags with um, with the Skulk as well. He's got a good lariat. Yeah. So I think there, there's room for him there. Um, I just think the match was too long. I was just waiting for Ruff to get in the ring because yes. you're just waiting for that hot tag, and once you got it, things picked up because Ruff is great. So. Um, yeah, he, that's a great hot tag, but it was really like, kind of like running up like a 1980s style. Just the heels had the heat on Gray for so long. And you start off with all that chaos and you just settle down to this sort of just very basic match. So I would have cut it shorter a bit. Yeah, I thought there were some really, uh, cool spots in it though. Um, like the, uh, I like the double ace crushers. Uh, as I said, I love rough spot where he's just escaping everything. Um, I like, I like a, a just like a a cheating finish where the referee doesn't look done, and I thought the distraction finish here with the ref dealing with the chair followed by the low blow kind of made sense. Uh, but I felt yeah, all the stuff beforehand kind of just made me feel a bit flustered as the match started, so I couldn't really just ease into it and enjoy it. Um, but yeah, this was fine. I I think with the people involved. Um, it just didn't quite click, but there was some nice little things in there. And shout out to Brandy Lauren, because there was a spot, um, Seidel was on the outside, he, he just like, I think threw someone back in the ring, he was ranting about his third eye or some nonsense, mm. and like, and like explaining it to Lauren, and, and she's like, oh yeah, great, and then she turns around and like, it's a half eye roll to the camera. <laughs> so I thought that was, that was great for her character, like she's on the same side as him, because they're both heels, and they want to beat up the the good guys, but she's not betraying the fact that her character would not be in for any of this third eye psychedelic yeah. business. She, she's not having it, and she conveyed that very well, I thought. Uh, the following match is between Vipress with Mr. Ruda. Uh, ex <laughs> explain this this tandem to us, Jesse. 
well, what's to explain? Mr. Ruda is a businessman. He came in with a shirt and tie. And Vipress is a female professional wrestler. And um, there's nothing weird. There's no demonic, satanic, or BDSM angle here at all, I don't think. I don't know why you'd bring that up. Absolutely. And she's against Avery Taylor. Um, is she, though? <laughs> so, this match doesn't happen. Um, they're in the ring. Brandy Lauren just attacks Avery straight away. She hits this really cool spot, actually, in the guardrail, where she does the classic kind of catapult, but... Avery's head is inside, like more than just her head. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So these between like the rungs of the of the rail. This looks awesome. I think thought. of the old school barricades. Or NXT has them, the, the metal barricades, yeah. but with like wider spaces in between the the poles. And Avery Taylor is is quite skinny. She can like fit in there pretty well. So she did. Uh, Lauren did the catapult to her. It looked vicious. Like it was. It's a good injury spot. Like I, I bought it. Uh, Taylor, we saw. Her a couple shows ago, she won like um, a four women match. A multi women match. Yeah. yeah, she looked pretty good. So I was, I was interested to see her, and I wanted to see what this Vipress could do in the ring. And the answer is maybe not much because <laughs> she walks into the ring. Mister Ruda bows down to her. Her opponent comes out, gets beaten up by Brandy Lauren, and then she walks back, and that was that. Does um, does she still get paid if the bell doesn't ring? Uh, we were discussing this, and, uh... Or is that what Mr. Rude is there for? Uh, well, <laughs> I'm not sure what he's there for. <laughs> Hopefully he has some purpose. Um, this is one of the times where the the transition from match to match really doesn't work, because this poor girl, Avery Taylor, has just been murdered on the outside. Yeah, she's dead, R.I.P. And then Anthony Gutierrez just comes <laughs> in just... doing his shadow boxing. <laughs> Just does not care at all. He he could not care less. Doesn't give happened. a shit. Doesn't even recognize that it happened. And just gets the mic and is like, "Yeah, look, I want to fight. I want to fight anyone from the unwanted. Come Only one of them, now. though. Only one. Only one of them. Get down here now." So Donovan comes out. Scottish folk rock singer Donovan. Exactly. Um, this is a blink and you'll miss it match. Uh, Spanish fly from Gutierrez transitioning straight into an arm bar with Donovan tapping out. Uh, really cool looking, I thought. Looked fucking awesome. Yeah. Loved it. Loved it. That's, that Gutierrez, maybe not the best on the mic, but if he does shit like that, he beats people with crazy transitions in under a minute. I'm into it. Give me more. Uh, we then go to another kind of, uh, MMA, MMA guy, as I say. Uh, Arturo Huas, one of my favorites. Uh, from NXT against the leader of the unwanted Eddie Kingston. Uh, match starts with Uas uh, trying a load of his spin kicks. He hits a cartwheel and kick to the head of Kingston. Um, Eddie goes off the second uh, rope but eats a knee to the. S- oh, sorry, he jumps off the second rope, hitting Uas in the side of the head with a knee. There's a series of chops from Kingston, an exploder from Kingston for a two. Huas starts kicking away at the legs of Kingston um, and catches him with a leg scissors round the waist to ground him. Kingston jumps off the second rope and eats a knee, but uh, and this gets transitioned into a submission, uh, but Kingston is very close to the rope, so manages to escape. There's a load of slaps back and forth to each other. Um, both start looking tired like they're just doing the exchange where they're like raining these slaps at each other and just getting more and more worn down uh huas 
kind of falls down but springs back up with a kick. Eddie hits two big backdrop drivers and then Huas gets trapped by uh, leg scissors and sorry, Huas gets Eddie Kingston in a leg scissors for a submission and some girl throws a wrench in and Kingston just pokes him in the eye with the wrench uh, and the match is called off. DQ finished. They didn't identify the girl on commentary at all. I believe it's uh, Natalia Markova, who we've seen before. I think so. Yeah, I didn't hear her identified, though. No. Um, but I I was kind of getting into this match before the end. Um, I don't think... I, I kind of felt robbed on today's show because I do normally enjoy the kind of uh, Guterres, Huas kind of shoot-style fights. Um, and... I don't know if it worked quite as well. Who asked with Eddie Kingston? Um, just two different styles. Um, so, but it was fine. What did you think? When I first realized it was going to be Kingston versus Who asked, I got excited because I yeah. thought this would be a really great match. And it started off, interestingly, um, Who asked took Kingston down. And Kingston was just lying on the ground trying to cover up as Who asked sort of like stalked around him and, and, came in, delivered some blows, and Kingston, like, was almost too scared to get up. I'm like, oh, this will be interesting. But it kind of progressed into a normal wrestling match, and then there was, you know, the non-finish. So I was disappointed, but I understand, you know, it's... This this was the only non-finish, I think, of the night, and I guess they're building to something. Um, yeah. I'd be interested to see if they wrestle again. There was some sloppiness here, but I think they can... I think they can do better. I think they will. My problem was having Huas against someone with a different style. It makes his look more like wrestler playing martial artist. Rather than when you see him up against an Anthony Henry or a Gutierrez, it seems more like a a shoot style fight with a with a predetermined outcome. Yeah. Um I wonder how you get around that. Yeah, it's it's a that's almost more incumbent upon the opponent, right? So like one thing I didn't really like is like who ass goes for a kick and then actually he missed the kick, so mm. that could happen. And then but um Kingston went back for like a, an enziguri which hit his elbow. And I'm like I'm not going to buy Kingston can go kick for kick with this martial artist. Yeah. Right? Like brawling maybe or like wrestling, you know, I but maybe it's something who ass needs to look at with his game and like in introduce more wrestling elements you you look at someone like alistair black who is like an incredible kickboxer but he's married it all together with the wrestling as well so he can pretty much go against anyone and can throw in those those kickboxing uh kicks and strikes and things but also throw in the wrestling as well uh i just it it just who asked just didn't look quite as impressive as he usually does. Yeah. I agree. Um, and I also agree that what you... S- he probably will have to do that if he's going to succeed in the WWE system. But I almost don't want him to because I like more variety. And if there's going to be... Sure. Like, you know, Sakuraba when he could actually have good matches. Like, you know, the, the famous one against Nakamura. I like that so much because it was different from other ones. Um... But that's but Nakamura really is someone wants. who also true did yeah, that style. That's true, and Sakuraba was Sakuraba was really hit or miss. So. Yeah, yeah. You know, it'd be great if who else can be Kyle O'Reilly. 
But I just hope he doesn't lose what makes him special. Yeah, because I'll talk about it in the main event, but I had some Well anyway. We'll see. I, I can I can see him being a Steve Blackman. Which yeah. is my worry. Yeah. Um because I think Steve Blackman was really cool like did some really cool stuff, but there it just also just really didn't click at times. But I also see a lot of potential because he looks like a killer. He does. Um, yeah. And I think down the line, I, I can see a pairing of him and Tainara being something very positive for both of them because they've both got that kind of background. They're both Brazilian. Um, I think that could be something down the line. Mixed match challenge. Yeah, exactly. When's that coming back? Let's see them tap out Maurice in the mist. <laughs> Uh, we go back to a women's division match between, uh, Shotzi Blackheart, who is the Shine Nova champion, versus Alison Kay, who is the Shine champion. And we have Reina Gonzalez back on commentary, which, this is something we haven't had on Evolve, or as, as long as I've been seeing it, this is a very kind of WWE trope, getting the, getting a rival on commentary to watch the match. Uh, and I thought Gonzalez was actually quite good here. Um, I really enjoyed this match. It starts with Shotzi hitting some palm strikes to the face of Kay. Uh, Kay just dumps Shotzi to the floor, which looked pretty nasty. As I said, there's zero padding, or if there is, it's very, very thin. Um, they both have a really nice back and forth. Uh, Shotzi gets Kay in a wrist lock and rolls forward into a bridge whilst holding onto the wrist. Uh, Alison Kay just flips everyone the bird. Uh, Shotzi goes for a monkey flip but gets caught. Uh, Shotzi follows this up with a backstabber, um, followed by a series of chops to K. Uh, this gets met by a boot and then followed up by the pounce from Alison K. Not quite, uh, Keith Lee's pounce. Not quite. <laughs> Shotzi would have to travel another maybe five meters to equal what, uh, Keith Lee can do to somebody. Uh, Shotzi Blackheart locks in the cattle mutilation. There's a super kick to K, followed by an enziguri. K then grabs Shotzi off the top rope and face plants her. And uh, Shotzi drags the arm across the top rope and goes again. She she keeps on trying to the top rope and K keeps knocking her down. Um, K tries to grab her off again, but Shotzi hits her this time with a sunset bomb, followed by a top rope senton, like Akira Tozawa's just jumping off the top, landing on your back. And... Uh, one, two, three. Shotzi Blackheart gets the win. Good match. I really enjoyed this. This might have been my favorite match up to this point. Uh, Shotzi has great babyface fire. Uh, Kay is a good heel. She yeah. can control the pace of the match well. And, and that sent on. That's, yeah, like, um, Tazawa or, like, a Sane's elbow. It's yeah. They, they're just, you're just landing. You're literally landing on your opponent. So props to Kay for taking that. Yeah. Shotzi's not the biggest. But still, I'm, that can't feel good. <laughs> I, I wouldn't want to keep on doing that move either. Uh, well, no, I wouldn't want to take a side rush and leg sweep every night either. <laughs> but, um, that, like, she's, so that's protecting Shotzi. Like, normally you protect the, the person, your opponent lying on the mat by landing on your hip beside them. You know, yeah. plastic macho man elbow. Mm. That's going to mess you up as the years go on. Yeah. This is actually safer for Shotzi. But it's not going to feel good for her bonus. No, not at all. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed this match. I th- I think Shotzi Blackheart's awesome. Uh, really looking forward to her to seeing her in NXT. As he said, just great babyface. Um, and yeah, it's, it's fantastic to watch. 
Um, I believe this might have been her last Evolve match. I'm not quite sure. Um, but there wasn't really any big send-off, so we may see her back. I'd like to see her back. Yeah, I'm still pretty confused with the title situation. Like, Evolve has women's wrestlers, but they don't have a women's championship. So, so yeah, she had, I don't know what the Nova title is. I think it's like the IC title, like a secondary title in, in Shine. In Shine. So this was like the IC champ beating the world champ. I think so. I, I'm not particularly familiar with Shine, but that's just my assumption. Leonard put it over big, like, oh, she pinned Allison Kay. That's a big deal. Um, but also having Reyna on commentary suggests that we're going to Reyna versus Shotzi. Like, that's the new program. So. Yeah, so uh, the, the story is on commentary, like Reyna Gonzalez saying, look, I've been in NXT. Three years. Three years. Uh, Shotzi Blackheart has another thing coming. If she thinks she can come into into my grounds and uh, be like the new big star, uh, the new shiny toy, as Cassius Ono would say. Um, but I feel this is a feud, yeah, we, we will be getting in Evolve. I think so. Uh, the following match is A.R. Fox versus Joe Gacy. So Skulk and Unwanted again. Uh, Gacy takes down Fox and goes for a stomp early on. There's an arm drag from Fox, uh, who then runs the ropes but gets caught in a really nice looking wheelbarrow neck breaker from Gacy. Gacy goes for a powerbomb on the outside. Um, AR Fox, oh yeah, he, he goes to like, he's got the arm of Gacy, goes to jump off the barricade into an arm drag, but the, the barricade hasn't been tied to the one next to it. So the barricade just goes flying, as does AR Fox. He just falls on the floor, but Gacy still takes the bump and just launches himself into the turnbuckle. It was pretty bad. Like, first of all, I'm glad Fox is okay, because those things slip. That can be dangerous. He just kind of fell down to the ground and looked awkward. And I think the worst part of it, though, was I think Gacy took like a second to think, "Uh uh-oh, should I take the bump? That's the spot. I gotta take the bump. And then so... What you just saw was a grown man just throw himself into a pole for yeah. no reason. So hopefully he learns. And that's that's what you get with experience. Yeah, like you that. learn to w- improvise. <laughs> you do, and you've got a split second to make that decision. And unfortunately, I think he he made the wrong one here. But it, it's something you'll learn from because he'll watch that back and think that looked dumb. So it's just it comes from doing it for years and years and years, I guess. Yeah. Uh, there's a big clothesline on the apron to AR Fox, a big beal from Gacy. It's, it's all Gacy in this match early on. Um, there's a huge open hand chop to the chest, a swinging neck breaker from Fox. And now Fox starts firing back, pounding away, hitting an ace crusher. Uh, Gacy's on the outside trying to climb back in on the other side of the ring. AR Fox springboards off, hits the coast to coast, knocking Gacy back to the outside. He follows it up with a huge topek on Hilo, and he does this in the entranceway. Here is super narrow. There's not much space between uh, the ring guards, and yeah, this this topek on Hilo looked awesome. Yeah. But I'm just wincing every time they're hitting these because it looks like an accident's going to happen at any point. He hit him with force. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he throws him back into the ring to hit a swanton for a two. Uh, Gacy hits like a Michinoku driver for a two count. Uh, AR Fox is doing his Matrix escape where he's dodging the like striking attempts by Gacy, but he goes for it again, and this time Gacy catches it and rolls him up for a pin. 
but only a two count. There's an ace, ace crusher followed by a super kick for a two from Fox. They're chopping each other back and forth. Fox then goes for a springboard off the second rope, but gets caught midair into a sleeper hold. Gacy wraps the legs round the waist. Uh, Gacy then catches Fox with a series of clotheslines, followed by a huge discus lariat for the win. Yeah, that last lariat looked awesome. Yeah, that was that's 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 how you win a match with a lariat. That looked great. Um, this match was too long for me. Maybe shortened by two minutes. I think. These evolved cards have all been one match too long for me. I was tired at this point. I mean, I get it. You got a lot of young wrestlers. You got to give them the reps. Yeah. Fine. But I'm just saying for me, I was, I just won the main event at this point. Um, but it was great lariat and the announcers put over the win too, saying this is a big deal that he pinned AR Fox. So. Yeah. Cause AR Fox is a veteran there. Yeah. He's, he's been doing this for a long time. He, uh, he held the championship for quite a while. Um, and yeah, Joe Gacy's up and coming. Um, and Gacy got the win when Carino couldn't. And clean. Yeah, so that'll play into that storyline. Also, should point out that uh, Gacy and referee Jeff Bundy were both in the ring yes. at the same time. So that's <laughs> Bundy and Gacy. That's not good. The following match is our main event of the evening and is for the Evolve Championship. Uh, Josh Briggs won at Evolve 139. And this is his first title defense. He said he'll put it up against anyone. So ends up getting put into a triple threat match against Anthony Henry and JD Drake, who have been bitter rivals, uh, best friends turned bitter rivals. Um, Henry, right at the start of the match, just drops to the outside and is like, nah, you two can go after each other. Um, and then keeps trying to like, as they're fighting, like getting towards the edge, will try sweeping their legs away. Um, Once again, in wrestling, as ever, the heel, smart, baby faces, stupid. Stupid. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he went to the outside. I guess oh, we have well, to fight each other now. Oh, well, he to fight, so I guess we have to. We can't possibly just team up and beat this little shit on the outside. Impossible. No. Um, Henry gets back in the ring, hits a low blow to Drake, and sends them to the outside. Uh, Briggs hits a huge splash onto Henry. Uh, Drake bounces Henry against the ropes on the outside and hits a huge forearm to the face. Uh, now Drake and Briggs are going at it, trading forearms. Um, JD Drake's chops might be my favorites. I, I think I prefer them to Walter. They just sound like shotguns every time they go off. Well, they announced that uh, one of the upcoming shows, I think in Livonia, Michigan, Walter's mm. coming back, and they're going to do champion versus champion, him against Briggs, which I think will be great. Yeah. But I would love to see Walter versus Drake. Me too. Yeah. Um, And as he chops him, he just shouts, I don't like you either. Uh, there's a sidewalk slam from Drake, uh, and Henry breaks up the count. Uh, sent on from Drake, Briggs catches Drake with a blue thunder bomb. Goes for the pin, but Henry breaks it up with a penalty kick. Uh, Briggs suplexes Henry into Drake, which I thought looked really cool. Um, Josh Briggs hits the choke slam uh, onto Henry, but landing Henry onto the back of JD Drake. There's a butterfly backbreaker on Henry, but Drake breaks the count. And then Drake hits the Stone Cold Stunner to Henry. Briggs goes for his choke slam, but is reversed into another Stone Cold Stunner. Kind of. Kind of. Um, there's a great looking moonsault from Drake um, onto, I believe it was Briggs here. 
Yeah, he is a great moonsault. Like I think we mentioned before, he is the Io Shirai style moonsault. He yeah. just gets that velocity and whips L- like, the legs down. Low and quick. Yeah. And this is a big guy, like 300 oh, yeah. plus pound dude. Like, this looks awesome. This would hurt. Um, so he goes to the pin, but Henry breaks it up with the double stomp from the top. And then him- Henry hits another double stomp, uh, like the, the coup de gras, essentially, uh, to Briggs. But now Drake breaks this up with a cannonball. There's a big spine buster from Drake to Briggs, and Henry hits a double stomp on Briggs on the apron this time. Uh, Briggs manages to get back into the knee, hits his big float-over knee, and then a huge dive over the corner turnbuckle to Drake. This was so impressive. Again, Josh Briggs is a big man. <laughs> yes, we're talking like we see Undertaker or Roman Reigns do these dives, and I'd say Briggs is similar Similar size. Uh, yeah, right between them. I think he's but this tall isn't range, over yeah. the rope. This is over the corner post, and not with not a lot of room like to land. Like no, he just these like, ring like just these himself over, close. and he like he has to do it in such a way that his momentum goes straight down after he he flips over, and it seemed about as safe as that move could be. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought this looked awesome. Uh, he then hits the choke slam bomb to Henry for the pin. And is successful in his first title defense. Good match. Yep. I really like the last maybe two or three minutes where I picked up and they're all hitting their spots. Like, you know, like a like good three ways tend to be. Um, very frenetic. Um, I thought heel really... Heel. Henry really got in some great heel work. Um, which makes sense because you look at the guy. It looks like, you know, if Monster Energy were a person, it would be Henry. Yes. And... <laughs> I think he really got a sort of, um, his heel character over like, being like a little shit, breaking up the pins and running in, running out. One thing I was a bit disappointed in is he didn't do much of his MMA work. There was none of it, really. But I understand why. It's hard to do that in a three-way, right? Yeah. Like, any submission, really. So I understand why. Um, ultimately, it was a good match and a good first defense for Drake. Yeah, I think this was probably my favourite match of the evening. Uh, this one, I didn't think overstayed its welcome. I thought it was the right length. Yeah, great um, A lot of really cool stuff in it. I, I'm a big fan of uh, both Henry and um, and Drake. I, I like Drake a lot. Um, Briggs, he's he's growing on me. I think um, like he's got a great look. I that that dive over the corner post looked looked awesome. Um, he just needs to work on his character a bit because they bill him as you know from nothing arizona and he probably doesn't like you yeah but he seems like a pretty nice dude who probably would like like everyone (laughs) so i mean like he i don't know stick or twist like decide like if he's going to be sort of uh a mean no nonsense guy well then then go all the way with it yeah they in the intermission they showed like an interview he had like his post title win interview and uh wasn't great. No. Um, and hopefully, if he's going to have a pretty long reign and headlining all these Evolve shows, like, it's something that will improve. Because uh, he'll have to be in, in the main stories. I mean, strong silent type works for a guy who looks like him. If, if you know, he his voice... I mean, it's not his voice, but if his, like, style of speech doesn't quite add up, he doesn't have to talk. <laughs> True. I I never feel that works as well with a baby face, though. Hmm. Well, like your big, strong, silent killer heel, yeah. Undertaker, Steve Austin. 
Steve Austin can talk. Undertaker's different because the gimmick is so yeah. different. Um, well, I'm yeah. I, I'm sure I'll figure it out. I'm just saying this is something that's it's keeping me from getting all into the character. For sure, I I, I completely agree. Um, JD Drake and Anthony Henry though, I I they really impress me every time I see them. They know their characters, completely. and that's great for Henry because. When I first started following Evolve back in the summer, he was still a babyface. Yes. And I really liked his work, but he's just like a guy, right? Yeah. And now he's got an, an MMA background. He's working in pro wrestling style, and now he has a pro wrestling heel character. Well, he looks like a prick as well. Absolutely. And and now he's playing a prick, which yeah. is, is perfect. Um, after the match, Drake hits a huge cannonball to Henry right away. He still hasn't forgiven him uh, for all the shit he put him through. And then hits him with a huge powerbomb. Uh, Briggs just fucks off. He's like, alright, he goes to the back. But then Drake continues to just beat down on Henry. So Briggs comes back and tries to pull Drake off, try to calm him down. But Drake turns around and punches him in the face. Yeah. Didn't they just do this with Cassius Ono? They did, yeah. yeah. Um, this whole thing was a bit awkward. But I think it was supposed to be awkward, so... First, I don't know why Briggs leaves and comes back. That just seems that was superfluous. Um, and Drake, I love his promos, mm. but he was tasked with acting here, and it didn't really come off. Like, he's supposed to sort of act like he was in like a fugue state or something. He was overcome by rage, and yeah. it didn't, uh, it, it didn't really come off. Like, for me, just have him, like, do a cannonball, do the power bomb, and, like, stomp on his head over, just stomp. And yeah, then, I, be like frenetic, be just, you know, taken over. And then, uh, Drake comes in, or not Drake, Briggs comes in and says, yo man, chill. And then, like, in this manic state, he turns around and punches him. This seemed, it took too long, I think. Yeah, it wasn't. And too as... many close up shots of him just looking. Sad afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think he needed to be more aggressive on the beatdown, more frantic. Um, and then when Drake, uh, sorry, Briggs goes up to him, be more of a lashing out. And then yeah. realizing what he's done. Uh, obviously, this is going to set up to a future match between uh, Briggs and Drake, which is something I'd really like to see. Uh, Briggs cuts a promo at the end of the night. He says, JD Drake, I don't know what you think you just did, but you just made the biggest mistake of your entire life. Uh, tonight was my first title defense. Here's to many more. Yeah, I think um, it's got to be babyface versus babyface, right? You can't turn I, Drake. You can't turn Drake. That's no. not good. So maybe that's sort of... If you're turning Drake, maybe that whole segment would have looked a little more smooth. It would have worked better. But you don't really want to turn Drake, so maybe that's it. But uh, Yeah, it'll be an interesting dynamic. I, whether they do it at the next show or... the Sorry, next, like... Set of shows. Set of shows. one of them is, is um, Briggs versus Volter. So. Yeah. Or maybe drag it out a bit more and... Should be a good match. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's one I definitely like to see. I I really enjoy most of Drake's matches, to be honest. Uh, so that was Evolve one thirty nine and one forty. Uh, we'll be back in December, as we said. We will have Volta uh, next month in Evolve, which is very exciting. Uh, overall, I I quite enjoyed the show. I think the standouts for me were the uh, Shotzi Blackheart, Allison. K match and the main event. They were my two favorites. Overall, I'd say it was the best of all shows since their 10th anniversary one. I agree, yeah. yeah it was very good. Awesome. Uh, so, 
If you like listening to us talk about wrestling, we have a weekly show, which I'm sure you're aware about. It's every Wednesday night. It's called Up Next. I am usually joined by Braden Harrington. We watch NXT Live on USA, and then immediately after, we go live and record our podcast review on YouTube, which you can find by following BDE Official, and we release it on Up Next, uh, the Up Next feed for post-wrestling later that evening. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at UpNextPodcast, and you can follow our personal Twitters at Davy Portman, and Braden's is at the D. Jesse, would you like to plug yourself? If you care to, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Jesse from the Six, and uh, that's all I got. Excellent. And if you want to hear even more of us, you can subscribe to our Patreon patreon.com forward slash up next and now if you really 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 love us and you might want to buy a t-shirt we have a little store at pro wrestling tees so go to pro wrestling tees.com forward slash up next uh that's all from me today jesse do you have any final words be safe ahoy powerhouse you host the dinners shovel neighbors sidewalks and make everything from scratch you definitely don't need help making the holidays happen but duncan's holiday blend coffee a warming medium roast complete with sweet notes of dried fruit and molasses or a cranberry orange muffin made with real cranberries just might convince you a little help never hurt especially the hot caffeinated kind america runs on duncan present participation may vary limited time offer terms apply Right here in your neighborhood. Here's a little tale about hard-to-recycle plastics. Their destinies were changed. Their new lives are fantastic. What once was trash can live on as new things with a program that complements your regular recycling. Because plastics can be so much more. Give this trash the second chance it was hoping hard-to-recycle plastics can be so much more. Participate in the Hefty Energy Bag program happening in your neighborhood today.